listening to the Ed Reach Network. Ed Gamer Podcast number one on Ed Reach, the games that we play. Welcome to this week's Ed Gamer Podcast. Ed Gamer is part of the Ed Reach Network, edreach.us, giving education a voice. A big voice. This show is dedicated to education gaming on any platform. We'll give you the education angle on any type of games ranging from tabletops to MMOs. We will discuss how these games impact student learning and how they can be used effectively within the classroom. I'm Zach. And I'm Jerry. Because this is our first podcast, we feel we need to briefly introduce ourselves and what we do. My name is Jerry James. I'm a visual arts teacher at Schomburg High School in Schomburg, Illinois. And I am Zach Gilbert, and I am uh, one of your hosts, and I'm a sixth grade social studies and language arts teacher from Normal, Illinois. I guess, Jerry, what um, what, spe- what specific classes do you teach up in Schomburg? You know, I teach a pretty wide range of, of arts classes, um, all in the visual arts department. Uh, I teach three-dimensional design, which is uh, kind of like a giant problem-solving class that involves clay, ceramics, um, and, and other mediums. And then I teach uh, photography, both digital and traditional, and an overall art and design class. So a uh, little bit of everything. Okay, and uh, just to, that stuff that I do not know a lot about, and I think that's why this show is going to be really nice because we are going to cover all all spectrums of, of gaming from uh, production to the use in the classroom. So uh, as Jerry was talking about, he's a teacher up in Schaumburg. I'm in central Illinois, and uh, use I teach social studies and language arts, and I use games as much as I can, as long as they fit within uh, what I'm teaching to get kids excited about, about learning. And all kids love gaming and uh, all different types of games. So tonight, since this is our uh, first podcast, uh, we decided that, you know what, let's talk about the games that we play. And there are many games that Jerry and I use in the classroom. And we've picked, you know, six or so games uh, that we currently use, and we'll explain why we use them. So my first pick uh, for, for tonight's podcast is BBC Interactive Games. Now, I teach ancient, uh, ancient civilizations, and so we go from Mesopotamia to Egypt to India to uh, China, um, Greece, Rome, Middle Ages, and we basically stop right after the Middle Ages. And BBC has done an excellent job with Flash games. Now, Jerry, is that something? Do you uh, do you have students write in Flash? Yeah, we actually do. Um, we have, we have a full unit where students design Flash games, and um, I, I think that's one of the interesting parts of learning. Then is you know being able to design them and play them. And it's it's uh, there's a there's a lot of thinking and critical thinking and problem solving as you were talking before about putting these games together. And BBC, oh, yeah, I, I guess it has to be at least five years ago, uh, put some of these, uh, it, it seems like a long time, but they've put these games together on their website. And there are two specific games that I use. One is called Mummy Maker, and the other one's Pyramid Challenge. So, of course, this deals with Egypt and when I teach Egypt. And basically, Mummy Maker is a game that talks about why mummies were uh why Egyptians, you know, used mummification, how they did it, and the reasoning behind it. And it goes through all the different steps. So basically what I do is 
have the students play through the game, complete it correctly, and then once they've done that, they've got to go back through and write down all the major steps of completing this mummy. So there are other teachers in my school which, uh, which use mummification of chickens. Now, Jerry, does that, is that something you'd probably like? Uh, whew, boy. They actually take, they take raw chickens, mm. and they actually come up with the spices and everything, and they mummify, you know, that chicken. Uh, just... I love chicken, but that seems, you know, unless it's a chicken wing, that might be a little outside of my realm. <laughs> gotcha. Uh, I like uh, chicken. Yeah, chicken wing, spicy. Uh, <laughs> you know, that's, that's always good. Uh, it, to me, it was one of those issues of the smell. And possible, you know, they wear gloves and everything, and they do they do a very good job, excellent. I mean, a lot of kids like it, uh, and I'm just like, uh, no, I'm not <laughs> with that. So I found this, uh, the Mummy Maker, found the BBC website and the Mummy Maker, and the kids actually go through the process. There's some, especially for middle school kids, there's some pretty interesting and disgusting stuff that middle schoolers <laughs> will like because, you know, you have to, uh, in order to uh, drain the body of the fluids, you have to take this hook and put it in the nose and, and as we call it, drain the brain. <laughs> and uh, they do these nice little flash, you know, art, you know, pictures and show that. And you hear the kids in the lab and they're like, ooh, and and I just giggle because, you know, then, you know, that's, that's something they'll remember for the rest of their lives, whether that's good or bad, I don't know. But uh, so they go through all the steps, and then they write them down, and then I check them off, and then, you know, I assess them on their, their understanding. But the game helps with that, which is is huge, and I don't have to mess with chickens. So that's always a positive. <laughs> always. So always a positive. Um, the next one is probably the, the kids get a little frustrated with Mommy Maker, but when we get to Pyramid Challenge, that, that is it bad that I get happy when the kids struggle? <laughs> That's that bad, Jerry. No, it's a, it's a good thing. Yeah, it's a good promoting, thing. You need a challenge. Yeah, promoting the challenge. That's good. Challenge, challenge the kids. So uh, they have to. And what I really like about this game and how they made it is that uh, you have certain steps, and you can answer questions within the game. So where you build your pyramid, uh, is it in the valley where it might flood? Is it out in the middle of the desert? You know, is it that is that too far away from the river? Because you have to take these limestone blocks down the river and and take them to the site where you're putting the pyramid. Um, so it goes through all the geographic reasons why the pyramids were built where they were built, and then you have certain steps. What type of workers are you going to use? And there's actually sliders on percentages, so the answers don't have to be specifically and accurately the same as everybody else in the class. Wow. What what kind of food they they ate, what kind of activities that they used, uh, how many days uh, how many days in a row do they work, uh, how many days off? You know, there's all these variables. And even though you might put the same answer as somebody else, you could run into a problem. There could be a plague. There could so there's randomness, <laughs> and the kids get so. You, I have some very smart students over the years. And it would take them five, six, maybe even more than that times for them to complete the pyramid. That's great. It sounds like a throwback to the old Oregon Trail when you just get oh. wiped out by, you know, cholera or something. Just exactly. <laughs> so the frustration, but and you see this with some of the games that, you know, the students play and what you've done is that the frustration is good as long as they're kept interested. Mm -hmm. Agreed. Right? Yeah. And so go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, and I think that's kind of a, that's definitely one of the strengths of the Flash games is uh, 
they can be as confusing or as simple as the creator you know wants to make them. There's such a wide range in flash games for how intricate they can be. And yeah, if, <clears throat> if you leave a you know a challenge there and the kids can you know overcome that, I think they get a great reward from it too. Oh yeah. Well, the positive is that so much information that I have that connects to the state standards. I mean, this was even part of my um, my master's project, you know, for my master's degree. Uh, and I'll, I'll do a plug, Illinois State University. <laughs> and so uh, that was um, that was important, making sure that the information that was given was accurate, first of all. That, that's, that's huge. But they kept on doing, doing it over and over and over again and then completing it correctly. I can literally go to high school students that have done this in the past for me and ask them specifics about the game, and they know right off the bat – what material did you use? Limestone. Uh, what was the angle of you know uh, you know of the pyramid? Fifty-two degrees. So I mean they're they're able to rattle all this stuff off, and it's because they remember it from the interactiveness of the game, and that that to me was just like okay. So this game not only was it helpful in understanding, but it actually kept the information in long-term memory. It's something they remember. It's not one of those where you study the night before and, and, and lose it the next day. It went into long-term memory, and that's where the interactiveness is so key. Yeah, that's the best kind of learning. Yeah. So those are, those are t- uh, that's, that's one pick of mine, but that's, you know, that's one pick, uh, but that's the BBC Interactive Games. And just to let our listeners know, we'll put, when we put this uh, podcast up and then link it on uh, edreach.us, we'll have the links on there too. So anybody that teaches social studies out there, uh, especially world history, um, this is a great site for the kids to use interactive games and have them, you know, learn through the games. So that's my first pick. Jerry, what do you have for our first one? Well, for my first pick, um, I kind of went old school. Uh, I think there's such a great, great talk right now in the field about the wide variety of games, and I even talked about how uh, some of my students are creating games and the way that they learn through creating games as opposed to the different kind of learning that takes place when you are um, playing games. And I think that there's a lot of uh, a lot of things we can take from, from these two sides of the field. And the first thing that I wanted to start with was kind of just like a classic classroom game. Uh, it's one that I have played in elementary school, uh, middle school, high school, into you know upper upper educational classes um shameless plug in my masters at northern illinois university um don't like that (laughs) um and this is the debate game and and there's there's really uh, i think people uh don't see it as a game they see it as more of a project like okay we're going to have a debate and you have to research and you have to um, put forward all this you know information that you learn but i think people forget that essentially what we're doing is a game we're involving role play we're involving characters um you're just talking about a generic i mean you know it's not like a packaged game it's just like just just doing debating just debating i think um putting kids on the the old concept of like you know whether it's like one side is the jury and you've got people presenting kind of like the courtroom type thing or if you just literally split the classroom in half you've got one on one side one on the other, um, you know, and even in, in higher education, we've had people where, like, you know, the better your argument is, you can try to pull people to one side or the other, and you can physically walk to the other side of the room. Um, and it it really, it really 
forces students to see multiple perspectives on an issue. Um, now, the nice part is if you have a really, you know, hot button issue, something that people, you know, uh, are necessarily, even if all your students are going to be on one side, you can assign roles, assign characters. Um, I remember when I was doing some graduate work, we had, you know, with the fine arts, we had sort of the, um, you know, art censorship and should this artwork be censored? So we were forced into roles as either, you know, very conservative Republicans or very, you know, liberal artists on the other side and, um, you know, forced to look look at each side of this. And this is obviously something that doesn't end or even start in an art classroom. This is, you know, just the, the, um, the, the great debate game, I guess, is, is being forced to choose one side or the other forced to look at multiple perspectives and then include current events. Um, so it's a, it's a really nice way to, it, it can be a game that, you know, breaks the ice, but it can also be a game that students have to put a lot of research in. And um, however far you want to push it, you get a lot of reward out of it. Uh, I know kids love role-playing. If you get them to dress up as the characters, they can seriously get into it. And, um, you know, by assigning characters, sometimes you get those kids that might be a little bit more quiet to come, you know, out of the box as they start mm-hmm. kind of convincing, you know, other classmates to join their side of whatever their side might be in the debate. So I, I think it's it's one of my favorite, uh, you know, just basic type games in the classroom. There's so many, you know, you can use your creative mind of coming at how to use it. I mean, uh you can almost use it in any class. Uh, you could use it in an art uh, to debate uh, which artist uh, was the best Renaissance painter, or in music, uh, you know, which artist is is the best. Uh, I'm just thinking of even current events uh, debating uh, unions. I, absolutely. And <laughs> I, you know, yeah, I, I think the the magic of the game is. It could be as small-minded into a specific time of history, or it could be as open as – I honestly think you. this is one of the, those games you could make an entire class out of. You know, get 12 kids in that want to discuss current events, and you put them on each yeah. side of the room and let them, let them argue it out, you know, the way things are really solved. Yep, and uh, the – we do something within language arts, and I, it, it's a lot of classes now called collaborative reasoning, and it's it's the same type of thing. It's you're listening, you're discussing, uh, you're collaborating together, you're arguing, and I always I I love arguing and debating um, within a group. We usually we use it for literature circles, so discussing books. Uh, but the big part of that is blooms. You know, your higher level thinking. You can't. If you're doing uh, debates, maybe Lincoln Douglas, uh, you know, mm-hmm. uh, their debates throughout Illinois, and have the characters play uh, played by students, you know, they have to do a lot of research in order to understand their the backgrounds of each person sure. and understand how they would react to questions mm-hmm. uh, during that time, and that's definitely higher order. Thinking. Oh, absolutely. I, I think that's really the strength is when you when you get that deep into role playing that you are no longer reading from a script in history of someone's someone's words, but you are now having to answer for them. You know, that's that's right. definitely a new kind of a, a, yeah. a higher order learning. Like you're showing that. learning. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're you're definitely showing higher levels of learning. Now, can you do that? Is there ways to incorporate that within some of the classes that you have, like your um, uh, when they're creating a game? 
Mm-hmm. Do you, I'm sure you have debates on, no, we should put this in the game. No, we should put this in the game. You know, there, there's so many ways um, to do this from from talking about, um, okay, so so if you talk about a, take even a Flash game, and so we used to call them shooter games, you know, because it, it was <laughs> a simple shooter type game. You were shooting right. something or flying into something. Yep. So we had it. We actually had a debate, and this wasn't intentional, but um, about you know uh, common culture now. A shooter game. The word shooter um, is this appropriate? Is this you know? Is what so in this you know started to snowball into violence in video games? Is violence responsible? Um, are video games responsible for violence? Is you know what? How, look at these two different sides, and and their opinions on violence in video games were, were very very different and very very aggressive, and uh, it led to some great conversations. So yeah, you know, it can snowball even into things good. like that. Okay, cool. Well, that was that was very good. Simple, but yet effective. Mm-hmm. I like it. Okay, so mine is another one. Uh, my second pick is something that I picked up uh, out in Indianapolis at Gen Con. And if anybody knows Gen Con, it's a gaming convention where basically it's board games um, and and other things where it, it doesn't matter who you are, uh, you would not feel uncomfortable being there because everybody is who they want to be and nobody judges you. So it's it's a it's a very cool uh, conference you know conference to go to. But the game that I picked up, which you know there's like Axis and Allies, there's Dungeons and Dragons, there's all these you know, really in-depth games at, at this conference. But this was a simple game called Word on the Street, and it's by Out of Box Games. And it – but everybody loved it. I mean, they had crowds around their demonstration table. Um, and it's something that I thought, man, this would be perfect for school. Now, I think they have another game called Apples to Apples, uh, which – yeah, you know I, game? I actually own that game, yeah. See, and you didn't even know. That's an out-of-the-box game, and that seems to be very common, especially with parents mm-hmm. for their kids. So this one is Word on the Street, and I'll kind of read a brief description here and kind of try to explain. Since you know we're an audio podcast, it's not like I can visually show you. But uh, on each turn, one team flips for over a category card. Team members frantically brainstorm words that fit the category while the opposition tries to sidetrack them. Now, I've kind of, in my class, I don't, we haven't gotten good enough to where I can have them try to sidetrack. Mm-hmm. And sometimes there's actually a timer, uh, like a little sand timer, uh, and we don't do that. We just try to, you know, we're just trying to get words uh, being used in the game. So the team must agree on a word and pull each letter of that word uh, of that word one lane closer to the side of the street, all before the time runs out. Now, so basically you have a, uh, a middle lane, like a uh, divider in, inside the... Um, uh, middle of the road, okay. and there's basically consonants on there. There's some letters that, uh, some consonants that are missing. So no, there's no vowels. Uh, so it's not a full complement of the alphabet. And you have it's a two-way, it's a four-way street. So you have two lanes on one side, two lanes on the other. And basically, what you're trying to do is, um, you know, pick a so the the categories uh, a sport. So let's say you say basketball. So I pull off the B, and there's no A. Then I pull off the S, the K. I move it one lane over. So, you know, 
depending on what your words are, what your categories are, and what your words are, you try to pull these letters off to your side of the street. So if you have two lanes on your side, you try to get, you know, you have to get that letter used three times to pull it off the side of the street. Does gotcha. that kind of make yeah, sense? Absolutely, so, yeah, absolutely. So, you know, popcorn, you know, if there was uh, snack food, popcorn. So you, you'd be able to pull that P over twice. Yeah. Um, and then the other team, when they get the next question, they see that, that the P is all the way on the other side, that, um, you know, they try to come up with a word for their category to pull that P back over to their side. So you try to get as many letters off the side of the street as possible. And the one that does, you know, the pulls the most letters wins the game. So there's a simple category. There's a, you know, they have harder question categories. And then I started thinking about, and they even put stuff on their website, and I just found this out, that you can actually make your own category cards. And I'm like, hmm, let's see. I could use novels that we read. I could use social studies oh, topics. Yeah. Uh, what uh, resources did the Chinese use? Or when we're at Greece, uh, you know, city-states, you know, just any, any type of uh, – any type of categories or questions that you could come up with. But the other part of this is that you have to spell the word correctly. <laughs> and it, it can only be it can only be one word. It can be hyphenated. Ooh. It can be hyphenated. Okay. But it only has to it can be one word. It can't be like a phrase or anything like that. And so the kids will pull out the dictionaries. I have some electronic spell checkers and they'll pull those over there just trying to make sure that they're spelling it correctly. So great way to make sure that they're spelling things correctly and they want to look the words up. How many times as teachers do we, you know, did I spell that correctly? I don't know. Look at the dictionary. I don't want to look in a dictionary. So, you know, it's like they want to look up the words. That's so, great. Yeah, that's a great way for them to make sure that they're spelling things correctly. And, man, the arguments that they get into. That's not a, that's not one word. That's two words. It's not hyphenated. And then kids thinking about, ooh, if I – you can use plurals or past tense. So, you know, they're just – oh, they're coming up with all these different ways of using it. That's great. But, uh, so you basically just – it's a simple game that you're just trying to answer questions, and it gets the kids involved. And um, adults – I mean, I love playing it. We've we've done it at family events. Sometimes the answers are not as appropriate uh, <laughs> as, as what you would have in the classroom, but it's, it's quite fun. Uh, and then I even thought of – and maybe if one of the out-of-the-box games people – you know, listen, maybe I should make sure we tweet this. But um, I was thinking about making a smart board version. Oh. of having the letters up there and then moving them off the side of the street. So it's a bigger visual. So you can do – you can have teams uh, oh, yeah. within the classroom. So, yeah, that's a simple game. Uh, and out-of-the-box actually gives educator discounts. So you can nice. order stuff off their website. So uh, that I thought was really cool. So that's that's my second pick. Nice. Okay, and what's your, what's your second? All right, my second pick is almost um, a genre as opposed to individual games, but I'll highlight a couple individual games here. Um, and, and what I, I go back and forth on whether to call it this or not. Um, I call it the no-brainer type of online games. And, and really what this is is going to be educational games that although they might not – I'm sorry, games, online games, that although they might not be um, geared towards education um, may still have benefits for your students. Whether those oh, yeah. benefits are just taking a break, you know, taking a step back. Um, you know, if you subscribe to multiple intelligences, then maybe it's using another side of the brain. Um, allow kids to recharge. And, um, you know, when I work in a high school, they get hit pretty hard depending on where they're coming from or where they're going before or after my class with um, lot of lecturing, 
a lot of constant, you know, tons of PowerPoints just sort of staring at the screen. So these actually, these games, although they can be distracting if used too much, can be really good to just sort of, you know, give kids five minutes at the start of class and like, okay, get out your, you know, go play a game, go figure something out, recharge your brain, you know, and then come back to me. Um, or maybe even at the end of class, like, okay, you know what? You did a great job. Let's take 10 minutes. Let's just, um, you know, hit these online games because I've found too from working in many computer labs that oftentimes they're on these games anyway. So <laughs> maybe there's a good way we can use them in the classroom. There you go. Um, now you have just a question here. Mm-hmm. You are in a computer lab. I am for certain um, for certain classes. Uh, so I actually am very polar. I work in um, – with my 3D design, it's literally what could be confused for a woods room. So a lot of heavy machinery, drill presses, you know, sanders, all kinds of stuff. And then um, dangerous things. It, yes, especially yeah. when I'm in control. Uh, <laughs> and then uh, on the other hand, yeah, I spend some time um, during the day in a computer lab for both digital photography and some of our other uh, computer arts courses. So um, it's yeah, it's two totally different worlds. And it makes it easier. Attention. Yeah, <laughs> keeping yeah. attention in those two different classes is uh, is a big thing too. So um, one of the things, and I got this from my kids because um, I was constantly wondering how they were, you know, flying through our um, our school security systems there for blocking sites, <laughs> you know, for games. Um, how uh-huh. they were constantly coming up and. And um, this site actually is um, pretty good at their own viral marketing. Uh, it's called ibnate.com, um, sort of, and I'll explain that in a minute. Um, so it's I as in I, like iPad, the letter. Um, I-B is in the second letter, and um, Nate, N-A-T-E, um, dot com. And what this is is just essentially a, a giant collection of very simple online games, sometimes flash games, um, sometimes a little bit more more advanced games. Um, students can uh, join forums there. They can um, post scores online, so there is some competitiveness to it. And um, you know, I, I saw I actually saw a shirt in one of my hallways once with you know like ibnateruler.com or something, and I was like, what, what is this? Yeah. And then you know they they actually had like an eye with a physical eye on the shirt, and I'm like, what is all this? So I had to figure out where they were coming from, and uh, I looked up ibnate.com and it was blocked on my school and I was like okay so how are you guys getting to this and I was like wait I don't I'm not sure I really want to know but how are you and one kid's like oh why are just type in ibnate.org and I was like oh I thought it was .com he's like it is and I was like what so I type it in I type in .org and sure enough it pops up and uh, he goes yeah read the top and on their um on their website, they actually are like self-proclaimed the kings of allowing you to access this when schools block your their website. So they constantly are changing their domain, whether it's .com, .org. Um, I think even a few times they've used into other countries, you know, different domains, so that um, the schools have a harder time to block these because it's just constantly changing. Which I, I think it's funny that it's it's specifically aimed at schools. Yes. Part of me smiles. Part of me's like, hey. <laughs> yeah. How how much do I really want to push this? But um, right. but the, but the game and, and, and podcast it out there. Yeah, <laughs> but the 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 games are uh, I I think sort of refreshing. You know, there there's you got to be careful a little bit with with where you're searching on there. But um, but but there there is a lot of good stuff for kids to take from it. And then um, 
the other side of that is uh, the impossible quiz, what I call the impossible quizzes, because um, I don't know how familiar you are with the impossible quiz itself, but it was a phenomenon from like a couple years ago. Um, it's, it's like a hundred, 150 questions or something ridiculously long. And now it's, it's gone, you know, kind of crazy. There's a, there's an app for it. Um, there's one on Android. There's one on the, you know, the Mac market. There's just all kinds of, um, this thing has become bigger than I think it was ever thought to be. And it's a totally different kind of thinking on this quiz. Um, you know, there, uh, actually the way that I like to use it is, um, I project it up on the screen and then I just have the kids help me answer the questions. And it's like, uh, you know, it'd be something like, like one of the questions is like, click on the smallest circle on the screen and there'll be a period after that sentence. And there'll be all these different sized circles all over the screens. And it, it, you have to realize that the period is the smallest circle on the uh. screen, the punctuation mark. So, you know, it, it's, it's kind of those, those little brain teasers um, yeah. and it's like hundreds of little riddles. Yeah. And, and it's great. And the kids absolutely love it. You know, it's, it's a great way to spend. <laughs> Actually, I think the last time I did it was uh, we had a half day and it was a wasted 25 minutes. So I was like, you know, we're just going to, we're going to play the impossible quiz. And, uh, it was a really good time. So that's the official one. Now I have to warn you. I I, I don't yeah, want to be held that. responsible for um, the imposters because there is uh-huh. a, the impossiblequiz.net. That is well, the original quiz. Possible dash quiz. Yeah. The imp- uh, if you if you look up other things, there's impossible dash or hyphen quiz and hyphen. Yeah. That's a separate site um, that. Proclaims it has 20 questions. Um, I, the roots of this site, I'm not real clear on. I looked in the, under the about and I looked for contact. Couldn't find a real secure email address. I think this is more of a person's personal <laughs> website they put together. But the yep. questions, um, tripod, yeah, they are all over the place. Um, but they're really research based. Like if you want to know the answers, you're going to have to, you know, Google or figure out where where these things came from. And uh, mm-hmm. according to the site. No one has ever answered all 20 questions correctly. Um, I didn't get all 20 right either, so I guess I'm part of that statistic. But um, definitely um, that's going to be a little more um, uh, upper-level high school, maybe even into secondary. Okay, now is it appropriate or is it just more difficult? It's appropriate. It's kind of like – I guess it would depend on the the vein of the appropriateness. I think it was like, a, you know, one of the questions was like, instead of asking you which one would get you more money, it would it was like which one could buy you more beer, you know. So you so you kind of want to be gotcha. careful. It's like maybe yeah. not an elementary school thing. Probably no, not, even not so much. No, yeah. no, no. So that's that's where I, I actually included it, not as a, because I think it's a great quiz, but more because um, I think it's just a good example of how you kind of have to be careful with. Um, the impossible quiz has become so huge that there's a lot of, you know, imitations and fake ones out there. Yeah. Now I'm seeing this because, you know, I'm not in a computer lab. I'm just Mm -hmm. in a regular classroom. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I'm able to get laptops. Actually, I'm out in a portable right now. So that's been a lot of fun with all the snow that we've had (laughs) recently. Uh, But uh, sometimes we're able to get laptops out there, but you know, like that dot one, um, Mm -hmm. putting it up on the smart board and just, you know, having the kids just kind of do something, kind of break, uh, break a, ch- you know, have a change within the class. We're working really hard. Okay, brain break. Let's do this yeah. real quick. Get back into something. Do something else. No, I'm telling you, it was, it, it, that thing was like born for a smart board because there's literally sometimes you even have to, you know, it'll tell you uh, click on 
click on the blue and drag through all the blue until you find the green dot, and it literally will only highlight like when you run over it. So um, it, very there's cool. very cool stuff in it. it. It's great interactive, and um, even doing it, yeah, in front of an entire room, but I think on a smart board, kids would just absolutely love it. And then have the kids interact with it. Absolutely, yep. So, yeah, it kind of reminds me of another website that I'll just quickly mention, but physicsgames.net. Hmm. Um, which is kind of a, a fun uh, website. Sometimes it's easier to click on, you use a mouse rather than the, the smart board, but that's kind of a, a fun, interactive, you know, they're, tra- it's a, they're basically puzzles. You know, some of them are puzzles where you're just trying to figure out how to move the ball from one side to the other. Yeah, yeah, sure. So, there, yeah, there's some of that on there as well. Yeah, yeah very cool. Okay, now my last pick, um, which, you know, probably down the road somewhere, uh, in these podcasts, might just do a civilization, <laughs> pod, you know, podcast. Mm-hmm. Maybe we could get Sid Myers or developer from Fraxis or something. I don't know. So you know, that'd be that'd be pretty cool. But uh, civilization is has been around for for years. It started off with a board game, I think, in the eighties. Yeah. Uh, and then early PC gaming. Uh, and I'm I didn't can't remember 100 percent if it was Mac. If there was something on the Mac. You know, Civ 1, 2, 3 uh, was not that long ago. Civ 4 came out, Civilization 4, and that was that was very big. And that was around the time that uh, I was working on my master's. And I was actually trying to figure out a way for Civilization to be used in my Ancient Civilizations classroom. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was a process, like I said, just making sure, as I mentioned before with some of the stuff, I'm trying to make sure that this fits within our standards. Um, Illinois State standards, and uh, now we'll have to look at common core standards down the road, but that's that's something else. But um, trying to make sure how to fit it and not have the kids go home and say, yeah, we just played PC games all day or, you know, for the week. You know, like, okay, what in the world's going on? So, you know, to give those out there that might not know about civilization, uh, it's basically, especially Civilization 4, and I've been playing 5, which is the newest one, um, I'm still working on that one, but Civilization 4, it basically gives you the foundations of how civilizations were built. And for the class that I teach, that is perfect because we're trying to see the beginnings of civilization uh, and all the different aspects of civilization. I've basically broken it down to you know, culture, uh, civics, uh, people, and geography. And within there, there's within those themes, there's certain categories. So you have economics, you have government, you have science and math, um, you know, arts and literature. Uh, there, there's different aspects, and all of that fits within civilization, the game. And so, having the kids create their own civilizations, uh, and then kind of giving a brief, short synopsis here, but having the kids create civilizations uh, on, on the social studies aspect. Uh, and figuring out how and why their civilization was successful or not successful, um, getting to the point where, okay, you build, you were the Roman Empire, but you built the Great Wall of China. <laughs> and a lot of people out there are just like, okay, you can't use that in a, in a social studies classroom because it's not historically accurate, yada, yada, yada. Okay, that's great. Take the negative into a positive and say, okay, you built this civilization, you built the Roman civilization, you need to make sure you understand the major aspects of the Roman civilization, and if there's anything that doesn't belong, be able to explain that. So if you built the Great Wall of China, you should be able to tell me, well, this part wouldn't have been here. 
you know, we wouldn't have had the Great Wall of China. Mm-hmm. We wouldn't have, uh, create, you know, followed this form of government. Uh, so you can get into all the details and basically have the kids map out. This is the Roman civilization of, of you know, the historical one, and then here is my Roman civilization and be able to uh, compare and contrast. And the kids being able to do that, that's definitely higher order thinking. Oh, yeah. And it is so, it's so great. And then the language arts aspect, I was able to, you know, at certain points when I've done this over the years, is have the kids journal. What exactly, um, you know, this, uh, during this class period, this is what my civilization did. And being able to write that and summarize it, uh, that was a nice aspect of the game. So the fourth edition, you know, the one thing I look out there, teachers that have used this, a lot of times I only see information on Civilization three, and I'm like, okay, that's a little outdated. <laughs> you, need a, yeah. you need a little bit more here. Uh, and then I'm starting to see more teachers that have used Civilization four, and now Civilization five has come out, and it has revamped a lot of things, and it's really – before I'd ever use that in the classroom, there's two things. Number one, I'd need to go through and, and match everything up to what I would use in the classroom. Number two, it's 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 still kind of buggy, and it takes a very high-end machine to run. Uh, the graphics are beautiful. Uh, but, and you know, on your side, you know, game design, it's like, oh, that's yeah. really cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, man, it is – I mean, I have a pretty high-end machine, and um, after you play the game for a while, it'll bog down. I don't know if there's some memory issues or yeah. what, but uh, the whole the whole game itself, especially for social studies, is very nicely done. And you know, we'll have some links on the website. There's different versions of the game. Um, you know, there's uh, you know, there's a colonization one. Uh, there's versions for the Xbox. Uh, there's versions for the DS. But uh, the one aspect that uh, I want to point out especially for those that are really into social studies, they actually have a civilization, Civilopedia, which is like an encyclopedia for the, for the game. Hmm. And there's actually an online version, and it goes through and gives some histor- historical backgrounds and some information on different units and things that can be used within the game and how they fit within that civilization. That, to me, that's kind of the geeky aspect is just like that is really nice. Um, and there's modding, especially for you too, because there's I've had kids that have learned Python, which is the code that's used. Uh, I know with four, mm-hmm. uh, the kids will actually go in and modify the game and create their own scenarios. Oh, and there's nice. a huge modding community out there. Absolutely, uh, Civ Fanatics is one uh, that's used out there, and that's that's one. But there's tons of mods and getting the kids to write the games and make scenarios. Mm-hmm. Man, that's even higher level because you have to do it historically accurately you know to try to make it historically accurate in some way shape or form so that's that's that game like i said i could we could have i could talk about that forever that's great yeah we and you know maybe we probably should because i think that's just really warranted i i had a roommate in college that was obsessed with the and that was my first experience was through him he loved playing the game you know not on an educational level just playing the game and then well um, so it's great to see it and he was addicted, I'm sure. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Because it, it, yeah. it's one of those things because their 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 theme, I guess, their mantra is that uh, just one more turn. Just, yeah, <laughs> I just, yeah. I just I just need one more turn, then I'll have this built, and then it's I just need another turn. I need one more turn. That's so, great. Yeah, you made some really interesting points. I think with the uh, comparing and the contrasting of you know whether things were historical or not. I like that turning the negatives positives. You know, yeah, finding just, the difference. I think we forget sometimes that just because something's wrong doesn't mean it can't have 
educational value. You know, figuring out that it's wrong is part of the educational value. Exactly. Okay, so we got our last pick. Okay, my last pick um, is a website that I've come to kind of recently because of um, a book that I had been reading as part of my graduate work. And the book is called Don't Bother Me, Mom, I'm Learning. Um, So it's a book by uh, a guy named Mark Prensky. And Mm -hmm. uh, it's a pretty interesting book. It it talks a lot about um, technology and uh, digital natives and digital immigrants, people just coming into um, technology and just coming into gaming communities and things like this and how um, how that differs today from from how it has in you know in the past and um, the website that i 've kind of pointed out here is games two is in the number train dot com mm-hmm. and um, this is a really interesting website because it 's strictly about serious serious gaming. Um, but also about education. And um, <clears throat> if, you, if you head to this website, you can see that um, it's, it's one of the few educational websites that even, you know, really talks about some of the different, you know, uses a lot of the lingo that gamers do. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, and on it, you can see uh, there's a real, uh, real easy layout to the website. It talks about video game mods. It talks about multiplayer games. It talks about flash games. It talks about games for phones, quiz games, uh, certification games. So there's a, there's a whole lot to this website. And on top of that, um, there's a lot of partner sites um, that Mark Prensky has also, you know, his personal site is on here. Um, games parentsandteachers.com, socialimpactgames.com, um, a, a lot of things. Um, it's also got some sponsoring up here. I see a link from the U.S. General Services Administration. So it's nice because it's doing, um, it's really bringing some uh, some information, you know, forward here, kind of making some things obvious to the field. And uh, I like it. The reason that I really like this site is it includes games I think we, uh, especially with online games, and this is a little bit different from Civilization that you were talking about, but a lot of the online educational games out there, because there's never been this huge market for them, were very short games. Um, you know, so like maybe like, you know, like shooter type games, you know, not not as long, um, because I think that that was keeping students' attention faster, and it was easier mm-hmm. to pump them out quicker. Um but I think there's so much to be said for the long-term games, you know, such as um, like a civilization or like going all the way back to like an Oregon Trail. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. like, like you have to invest more time into them. And I know one of the games that this website has been promoting um, is a kind of a mod-type game, um, a role-playing type game that includes an entire um, Algebra 1 curriculum within the game. And um, some of these, yeah, some of these are actually being promoted to – um, homeschooled children and homeschool parents right. um, as a break for their kids, you know, during the day. Um, I, I don't know a ton about homeschooling, but, I, you know, there's got to be some break time as well in there. And so so this actually incorporates um, a lot of the algebra content through this one game. And um, the name of it escapes me. I think it's something like the Autobots or not Autobots, but something. <laughs> that's, wait a minute. Uh, of something something along that that line and it's um it it just i think it's great that that we start to one of the real challenges with gaming and education whether whether we're whether we are um creating games or whether we're just playing them is as teachers when we judge the games we really have to consider is this game getting across 
you know, our essential outcomes? Is this what we want to be teaching? You know, we can twist and we can make it, you know, feel like, oh, yeah, it's, uh, you know, this, this kind of does that. And, but, and we can always find something, I think, that it benefits, but rarely do we find a game that is, like, based off of our curriculum, probably because right. it takes so much to do that. You know, you really got to have a, a big audience for it because somebody would have to put a serious amount of time into that. Well, so how many uh, gamers out there are actually teachers yeah, or have yeah. an education background. Exactly. I, I think that's the, I think that's one of the biggest problems, you know, and, and maybe that's a shift that we're going to see as more, as gaming becomes, you know, part of, Every because because really the history of at least video gaming is so young, um, and so that you know a lot of people as a, a you know these uh, people that have grown up with gaming you know will include it in their as they become teachers. It would be great you know to do these yeah. things to bring great or if games game developers are out there needing help on something wink wink nudge nudge uh you know there's there's teachers out there that do game and 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 we definitely would love to help out especially if it's something we can use in our classroom yeah absolutely so i I included this website more as um instead of showing off a game uh more as like a, a great place to start research if you're somebody that's serious about gaming in education and um just kind of something neat to take out. One of the really cool things about a lot of these, the games that are featured on this website, is, again, they are kind of like the higher graphics, which is probably why I like it. Um, and, and I agree with what you said earlier. It can be really difficult with when you, when you get things with, you know, extensive graphics. Usually schools aren't the first to have, you know, the computers that are capable to run these really high right. games. And you, you definitely in gaming don't need to add any more frustration than what's right. built into the game because that will stop some kids if the game is done right, like with the BBC games, it's a flash game. But, you know, the graphics aren't, like, super du- – I mean, they're not maxed out. It's not like World of Warcraft or, you know, Call of Duty or anything like that. It's 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 not like that. But right. if it's good yeah. and it catches the attention, it doesn't matter the quality. Uh, it, it definitely matters the content. Um, but if you, you don't have <laughs> – if you don't have the content, right. it doesn't matter how good the game looks. It's really not going to be useful at all, especially in education. Yeah. So um, that's my final site. I think it's a great okay. site to check out. And actually the book, if you if you ever need to read, is a, is a really good book. I just love the title, Don't Bother Me, Mom, I'm Learning. I think that's – Yeah, that's, that's a good one. That's, <laughs> that's a good one. Well, uh, just a note to everybody out there. You know, this is our first podcast, and just trying – we have tons of possible – content that we could talk about or have people join us on the podcast and uh, we can go on so many different directions so after you hear this or you know check us out on uh, edreach.us definitely send us some info send us some ideas Uh, we'd love to uh, have things out there that are useful for you uh, in the education community so uh, thank you for listening this week Uh, I'm Zach and I'm Jerry we, we're going to work on that. So, but I, yeah, we don't have that in the notes, but you know, I'm Zach. I'm Jared. Okay, so thank you for listening to our first Ed Gamer podcast. Please follow us on edreach.us and also follow all the great podcasts and blog posts on the EdReach network. That's it for us. Have a great week. Thanks for listening.